Please do sit down. I'm going to ask um, Lisa and Andy to, to come out with Isaac and Jake, and I think a few of the godparents are, are going to come out as well. And just join us for this part of our, our service. It's nice to have with us four generations of the family. It's nice to see you, Arthur. That's absolutely fine. Lisa's going to say something first. Okay. First of all, we've got some cake afterwards, but Isaac's allergic to egg, so really enjoy the cake, but just don't give him any or touch him afterwards. (laughs) So... Isaac's blessing gives us a chance to give our testimony as a family, which we're really excited to do. Um, But today's not about us, or even about Isaac. It is about Jesus. Where's my Jacob? Ah, okay. So people have said to us over the years with Isaac, you're amazing, I don't know how you cope. And the simple answer is, We don't. It's Jesus who gives us the resilience and hope. The same God who knows the beginning from the end. We don't. You need to find tipping point, I think. (laughs) There are so many questions, doubts, and fears. But this God is the same God whose hands flung stars into space. And we live by his grace. So what is grace? You've heard of it. You may even know somebody called it. (laughs) But I want you to grasp it, what it really means. So think of your children or the closest person to your heart and feel now how you feel about them. The joy and the pride that you feel at their first tiny step. The nerves on their first day at school or university. It's a fierce love, a passionate love, a protective love. The love that makes you want to run onto the football pitch and scoop them up when they fall. The love that wants to kiss it all better when they're sick or crying. Take this love, the love that you feel, in the bottom of your stomach. And then multiply it by infinity, beyond measure, beyond your understanding. This is grace. God's grace means that nothing you have ever done or nothing you could ever do will lessen God's love for you. God's grace means that nothing you have ever done or you ever will do can make God love you more than he already does right now. We all wonder sometimes, does God hear my prayers? Is there anyone even out there? Will he answer any of my prayers? Well, Isaac is living proof that the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Many times it's looked like Isaac wouldn't survive. But your prayers for him and us have been answered over and over. So thank you, and please, please, we definitely still need your prayers every day. The future is uncertain for all of us, not least Isaac, and all transplant patients. We thank you, God, for his donor who gave him a second chance at life, and your son 
who has given us all a second chance, a new life. Jacob has also written a paragraph or two about Isaac and he's asked me to read it for him. For me, as a big brother, yes, it is tough with Isaac sometimes, but at the end of the day, there's always a goal, and no pun intended. That goal is for Isaac to have a good life. He cries sometimes, yes, and he has tantrums sometimes, yes, but all in all, he's a very happy person. Isaac is someone I look up to because he's got some great qualities, like when he's in the hospital bed. He doesn't just lie there and feel sorry for himself. He keeps his head up and he tries to fight the illness. The progress that he's made from when he was six months old and I was staying at my grand's house is immense. It was a difficult time, but my gran is the most positive person that I know and she distracted me. She played football with me and we drove around in mum's car with the music turned up full blast. I remember when Isaac took his first steps, which wasn't easy after having a stroke. But now he's walking around and bolting around the house. He's just started nursery and he's really settling in well. His laugh brings joy to my soul and I have to dedicate all of this to Jesus and to the amazing doctors that have kept my miracle little brother alive. So that's why, in part, we're, we're here today. So let us pray. Loving God, you hold all things in life and call us into your kingdom of peace. Help us to walk the path of your truth and fill our lives with gratitude and faith. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, Andy and Lisa, do you receive Isaac? The lesson for today is taken from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 33, from page 1-1-0-4, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation that one who fears him and does what is right. You know the messages God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him forgives 
receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel is from St. Mark, chapter 16, verse 1 to 8, found on page 1024 of the Pew Bible. Mary, sorry, um, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw, that the stone <clears throat> they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away as they entered the tomb. They saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the woman went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. This is the gospel of Christ. Shall we pray? So dear Lord Jesus, help us to to look and see the Easter story once more and speak into each one of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand up for a moment? Just to say if you've got a a baby or a toddler with you and if you want to, there's some toys over to the right-hand side of me. Now, why don't we ask, you can sit back down. If the children want to come and join me at the front, you can. Because if you were here last Sunday... We, we made this wonderful Easter garden, didn't we? Why don't we have a seat for a moment? Just, just kind of sit there for a moment. Because here's the, here's the wonderful Easter garden. But of course, there's, there's something wrong with the Easter garden, isn't there? There is. It's a bit like an April Fool gone wrong, isn't it? Because... We've all looked at this garden as it's been on the screen and we've all just left it. It's a tomb, but you can't see inside, can you? So who wants to take the tomb bit off? Go on, Lucy, you can take it off. Go on. There we go. Do you know why the tomb was left open? Why do you think? The angel opened it, but do you know why he opened it? What do you think? That's a really good answer, but Jesus didn't need any help getting out. Why do you think he opened it? That's right. The tomb was opened so that we could see in and see the risen Jesus in our lives. So what I want us to think about this morning 
is I want us to think about the Easter story. And I want us to think about some words that Peter said when he said this to Cornelius, who was a Roman soldier and his household. And he said this, he said, you crucified Jesus, but God raised him up on the third day. And so I want us to think, first of all, about that statement. And I want us to think about what God can do in each one of our lives. Because if that is true, then I want to speak to you this morning about the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection. And that's why I'm wearing gloves. You may be wondering, why on earth are you wearing gloves, you see? Because I'm going to, because I'm going to be touching some powerful stuff this morning. Yeah, really, yeah, powerful stuff, basically, because I want to teach you something about the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection and how that can change each one of us. And sometimes the bad situations that we face at school and in life and with our friends sometimes and also in the places where we might go to school or where we might live or where we might work. And I'll come back to you in a minute. And so what I want us to do, first of all, is I want us to think about this man here. You see, it's going to come up. His picture's going to come up on the screen now. You see, a week last Friday, this man woke up, and he got out of bed. And he had his breakfast, and he said goodbye to his family, thinking it was going to be a normal day. And it wasn't a normal day because he didn't come back to his family. Because he's a, he's a French policeman. And I'm sure lots of you have been to France. And I'm sure some of you have, might have even been to a supermarket that's the same kind of sort of like chain as the one that he went in. Because what he did was he exchanged, if you like, his life for a hostage and he died there so that that hostage can live it's a very powerful message of how one person gives their life for someone else and of course at the heart of the Easter story isn't necessarily how one man Jesus dies for one person although even if you or I had been the only person. Jesus would have still died. Wow. The story and the powerful story of the Easter story is how one man died for everyone. That Jesus, if you like, stretched out his arms and died. This is how much Jesus loves us. And that's the, the, sto- the powerful message of the Easter story is how the power of Jesus' death on the cross destroys one of the two biggest forces for evil in our world, namely sin. And so I want us to think about the Easter story, thinking about it in terms of these glasses here. You see, the story of the Easter story is how God created a wonderful world, how he created it beautifully, And how he created you and you and you and you and me and all you as the best bit of his creation. And because he loved us so much, he gave us so much. And we lived in relationship with him. But there came a moment, if you like, when, if you like, 
This was God wanting to create this wonderful world. And there came a moment where we decided that we didn't want to love God in the same way. And we kind of rebelled. And the relationship broke down. And the reason that that relationship broke down was the reason for all the problems in our world. It's actually the reason why this, all the badness that we think of, that we call sin, exists. And it's also the reason why the other great force for evil, death, entered our world. And so over time what happened was we, we tried to think, you know what, I should try and love God more. But all the time, the sin thing got in the way. And so in the end, God decided that he loved us so much that he would repair the relationship himself. And so he sent his son, Jesus, if you like, to show us how to live this sinless life of what it truly could be. But also, he sent Jesus to die for us because it was the only way that the power of sin could be destroyed. And so, he died for us on the cross. And that's the that's, the, if you like, the part of the Easter story. It's a very powerful story of how one man dies for everyone. But if you think about it, that's where Easter ends, if you like, on Good Friday. And if Easter ended there, it would be great. The only problem would be is that kind of, I guess, like that French policeman's family, you feel empty. You feel helpless. Because... Jesus is still dead. And that's where we come, if you like, to Easter Sunday. And of course, the other great power in this earth was death. And of course, what the Easter story reminds us, it reminds us how Jesus conquered the grave because it was impossible for death to hold him. Why? Because Jesus never sinned. And so that tells us something about how powerful resurrection power is. That it could conquer sin and it could conquer death. But there's a great promise in the Bible. It's this. That if you believe the Easter story, if you believe that Jesus died for you, if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead for you, the promise is this. This is the promise. That that same power that conquered the grave now lives in you and me. And what that means is that it means that that power can change us. It can change us from times times being, you know, like annoying. Or sometimes we can get frustrated. Or sometimes someone could do a bad thing to us and we want to kind of get even. It can, it can kind of change us. So if you like, this is our life. You can say hello to your life if you like. And sometimes we try to be just these people that we want to be. But sometimes kind of like this stuff just gets in the way, doesn't it? And what God wants to do with resurrection power, if you like, is he wants to 
transform our hearts. He wants to transform us and change us. So that instead of having hearts that are sometimes when we want to get even, he wants us to be loving. Instead of at times judging people, he wants us to be gracious. Instead of at times being angry, he wants us to be more appreciative. But it doesn't just mean that. It means also that he, Jesus can transform any situation that we face. You know, sometimes when you go to school, don't you? Or when you adults go to work, sometimes some bad things happen at school. Don't tell me they don't, because I know they do. And you know, sometimes it can be that you can have a hope. You can have a dream. And sometimes that hope or that dream can get dashed. Or sometimes what can happen is you can face a really difficult situation and you can think there are just too many barriers or obstacles to overcome. And once more, we can kind of let it get us down. But the power of the resurrection reminds us of how God can just transform any situation. But of course, the thing about this resurrection power is this. It's not just for you, and it's not just for you, and it's not just for me, and it's not just for them. It's for everyone. Because what Jesus says is he wants you, if you like, this is your life, to go out into the world. Because the thing about the resurrection power is this. It's resurrection power only works often in places that are dark and in bad. Why? Because for resurrection to occur, there's got to be a death. And so, he wants you and me, and all of us, to go out and transform the places in which we live and work. And so I want us to think for a moment, and just be quiet, and let's all ask Jesus this question. Where this morning might Jesus want to say to us? You know, your heart is a bit too angry. Or your heart is a bit too judgmental. And I want you to just be more loving like Jesus. Or where might Jesus be saying to us in a bad situation that we face? Or in a, perhaps in a relationship that's gone bad? Where might Jesus want to bring new life? Because that's what Jesus can do. Or where might Jesus want us to go? To go into the places where we live, in the communities we serve, and say, Jesus wants me to go and show his resurrection power to everyone. Let us pray. I'm going to say a poem as a prayer. Resurrection is not only a future hope, it happens now, vibrant and inextinguishable. And small signs of resurrection are everywhere, in the street where you live, in imaginative design, in the patient turning of the seasons, 
in courageous movements for justice, and in the daily acts of devotion that so many will offer to God and neighbour today. The invitation is to see resurrection, to allow the resurrection to seep into your life, to embody resurrection so that you live resurrection now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.